What's up, everybody? Welcome to Boardroom Out of Office podcast. This is podcast number 21. I came equipped with an athlete with that jersey number today, Dominique Wilkins. Gianna, you don't even know who he is probably, but Dominique Wilkins wore 21. So podcast 21 in honor of Dominique Wilkins. He was on the Rockets. Oh, my God. Atlanta Hawks broke. Retired in the <laughs> rafters. Shit. I knew the jersey was red. All right, bro. That's wild. He had a younger brother, Gerald, too, wore 21. Knicks. No one else really knew him but me, but fuck it. All right, so our guest today, I say every time we have a guest, and it's true, I say this is a friend because in business you develop friendships, but this is really somebody that via KD I've got to know now, and it's truly someone I consider, you know, we all throw around, this is my brother, but this is somebody I would be there for no matter what, and I feel the same. I think he would do for me. So um, having him on is like having a family member on. So Gianni, I'm excited for you to get to hang with him, man. You'll have to hang with him for real one day in, in the physical. But Quinn, what's up, bro? How are you? Man, I'm great. I'm great, man. Just, you know, getting ready for our first game tomorrow. Training camp's over. Preseason's over. Um, quick turnaround. But, uh, you know, excited to get things going. It's crazy. Um, even like talking to you a few weeks ago. Like I knew you were going to land on your feet you always do but for like a second this offseason it was a little shaky and Lakers let you go but I read that you were happy with how they handled it and top down their professional organization but you're where you want to be right you're happy where you're at yeah I mean I'm back in the league I mean you know obviously I've been out the league trying to get in being undrafted and playing on 10-day contracts non-guaranteed you know you got to wait for so much you know, so many dominoes to fall and so many things has to happen. So anytime, you know, you, you, you're you out the league, it's just like, man, like, is this it? You know, did I did, did I run my, my, my race? But obviously you gave me some, you know, great, great um, words just to always keep me, you know, kind of – now you're right. I mean, I am a two-time champion. I mean, I am, you know, an a NBA player. So uh, this time it wasn't really as stressful because I put in the work I put in some time and I had five seasons on my belt. So uh it's really waiting. It was a lot of waiting. Um, even though it was a shortened off season, a shortened free agency. And they kind of just, you know, wanted to bring me back as uh, you know, insurance. Yeah, I mean, man, you're more than insurance, but I, I, I will say that like, you know, for me, when I talk to you, like I think that the most important thing I always try to get across is that like the perspective that you have when you look at like an uneasy feeling of not being on a team sounds scary as shit when you look at it in a vacuum, right? But when you start thinking to yourself like, yo, I played at Duke and went to X amount of national championships. I got a national championship ring. I got NBA championship rings. Like I know my body of work. And you look at it from there, there's a sense of calm and then it works out. And you, look, you're back with the Lakers and you know, you'll probably be in Brooklyn in uh, July playing in the finals or something. <laughs> No, nah, that'll be – I mean, that's the that's the matchup. I mean, that's the matchup everybody wants to see. Obviously, seeing um, KD and Kai get together in that uniform playing was a, was a great, was a great, great thing. Not just for me, obviously, because I'm close, but for basketball. I think basketball missed – I know basketball missed Kevin. You know, I saw your tweet seeing his pull up. <laughs> just, just, it's, 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 it's just good to, to be back in. Those guys look scary, and obviously, like us, you know, winning the chip, bringing new guys in, and bringing a lot of the guys back. Um, everybody, you know, is excited for that matchup. You know, the the podcast is out of office. The whole idea is Gianni and I 
like right before the pandemic, we were getting out of our office. We were building these new offices in New York, which when you come through, you got to come through. Um, and um, like the whole idea that we would go from a meeting with an athlete or a, a head of a company and the conversation, like when you're outside of the office, just what I was taking from those, I realized that that was really the backbone of how I was able at least to, to build something in business. And I think your network and, and your relationships have been at the backbone of kind of how you've continued to elevate and even when things hit a low point. When you were growing up, were you just the leader? Like, were you a leader amongst your crew? Yeah. Every, everything I did, when I played football, I was a quarterback. When I played, you know, anything, I was all – basketball, I was the point guard. That's how my dad was. My dad was always the leader of his friends, the leader of, you know, his business. Whatever he did, he was the leader. And uh, I remember his friends and – you know, brothers always looking to him, you know, for guidance. And uh, so, you know, when I developed my my friends and my circle, you know, I just kind of, you know, grew into that naturally. And I because I was seeing it every day from my mom and my dad. So, uh, yeah, I was just always, you know, that outgoing guy who, you know, would talk to strangers. When I went to new schools, instead of being, you know, quiet and waiting for people to talk to me, I would go out and talk to them. And I was, I was from my pops, for real. And was it something that you feel like when you got into the league, did you, like, I was talking to Gianni earlier about, and answer me this, right? Like, so I hear you called a lot, like, yo, we should get Quinn back on the team. He's good for the locker room. Or, yo, let's get Quinn back. He, great camaraderie. And that's true. But you're 20, what, 26 years old, right? 27 years old. Like, there's a part of you that, you know, there's that dog that you've dominated at the highest levels coming into the league. Um, you know you're a leader, but does that bother you that, like, at this prime of your career, you still feel like, yo, give me an opportunity. There's way more there. Um, For sure. It doesn't bother me because I know I got to – I have to use, you know, my personality and my relationships a lot of the times to get in the door. Um, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's the strength that I have is being a great locker room guy, and I don't want to shy away from that. But also, I know in the back of my mind, I know I could play. I know when I was with Golden State those two years and anytime Steph was out, you know, I was getting 20. Um, I know I can hit big shots in key moments. So I have that confidence. But I don't shy away from the fact that, you know, I'm a great locker room guy. I'm a great teammate. Um, sometimes you could, you know, want to go the complete opposite. It's like, you know, you want to show your weaknesses. Uh, I'm always – I want to strengthen my strengths. So for me – you know, being a great locker room guy in these locker rooms, you know, I'm benefiting from it, you know, more off the, off the court than on. And uh, I still always have that in the back of my mind. Like, I know I'm here. I know, you know, if I get in that right opportunity, you know, I think I could be an all-star in this league. Yeah, well, I think it's like – that's the perfect answer. I mean, that really splits it down the middle because you said, like, yeah, I'm insurance. So, like, it's – all entrepreneurs or all owners of a business, there's a certain like self-awareness that you have to have. It doesn't mean that your aspirations don't stay through the roof, but the Lakers this offseason went and got Dennis Schroeder, got Gasol, got Montrezl Harrell, and you know your role coming into the season, right? So how do you view your role this year? Um, I got to be ready for whatever. Um, I think, you know, I can be out out of the, you know, the, the top 10, the lineup, and, you know, I can go some games and not play. But, like, last year, you know, if, if Rondo or LeBron was out, you know, I was playing. Like, Frank had enough confidence in me to play me, you know, 15 to 25 minutes. Um, 
whether if I had it going or not. But I think that comes from, you know, what I've done in the league before that for Frank to have that confidence. I remember the first maybe six, seven games last year, Rondo was out and Frank just let me hoop. And I was hooping. And obviously, Rondo came back in my my role lesson. But, you know, um, a lot of coaches don't do that. Like, you're the, the 12, 13 guy, you still might be on a, a little leash. You might get eight minutes at most. But Frank, you know, if he has the ultimate confidence in me to, you know, if guys are out, if guys are resting, you know, uh, injuries happen, you know, he can believe um, – he believes in me enough to throw me in there for 25, 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, Steve was the same way in Golden State. So that, that does a lot for your confidence as well. And also, like you said, when, like, Steph was out, you'd come in and give him 20. I remember a game clearly – I watched it with Kevin because he was out, Steph was out, Clay was out, I think Draymond was out. It was literally, I think everyone was out. And you on TNT, you put up, uh, you know the game I'm talking about, right? You had 20-some-odd points. So you did it. It wasn't just insert into this, like, dynamic lineup. You did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I learned a lot during that time because, um, obviously, you know, that was my first year in Golden State. They just won a championship and. Usually I just come in and just, you know, be a good teammate. But I was literally getting prepared for that moment because the first time when Steph went out, like I went from not playing at all. I played one game um, with Golden State, and it was like we was up 40. You know, I was got the last five minutes of the game. And I went from not playing the next five games, Steph gets hurt in New Orleans, and I'm starting in Charlotte the next night. So, and I don't think I was prepared um, just mentally and just I think I was in awe and just happy of being, you know, a warrior. But after that night, you know, I just kind of flipped the switch. And then you remember everybody, you know, on the team was telling me just go hoop, go play my game. And I just was started killing us. Yeah. Straight up. So let me, Gianni, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, let's get our, let's get the three of our kind of like, before we move out of the season, um, feel no pressure to say the Lakers repeating, right? You're in Brooklyn feel no bias to say KD and the Nets are going to win it. Who's who, who you got winning it this year, Gianni, on this quick comeback from the bubble? We got the Nets. All right, fair, safer. You are here. You know, Quinn can't <laughs> see you after the interview, so that's safer. Right? Um, I'm not going to ask Quinn, uh, but Quinn, do you think your team got better? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think with the guys that we added, you know, you look at the Schroeder, you know, I think he was runner-up in six-man, and then you bring the six-man in with Trez. That adds to to our depth, and then obviously the guys who are coming back, you know, now have championship experience. Kuz, KCP, um, the guys who never won, AD, um, you know, they come back with a different swagger and a different belief, on um, a different confidence. And uh, obviously, Bron, we still got Bron, and uh, you know, all our coaches, man, all our coaches had that more experience. And uh, you know, it was just something about winning a championship. You just come back, you know, um, knowing that everybody. You know, it's gunning for you. And uh, so I think we do got better. I think Rob did a great job in the offseason. Yeah, and also I think – and I saw this a little bit with the Warriors, and I'm sure you've seen it, is that, like, though you're running it back, the excitement of the fact that, like, Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Gasol and these – I mean, Marcus Gasol is 1-1. But, you know, you get new blood in there. You want to show them, and it's a, it's a new story. It's a whole new story. For sure. I, and and – uh these guys came in just so eager to be to be Lakers. I mean, you know, some guys, especially in the league, who've been all-stars, who've made the money, who've had success, it might be a little tough of them trying to, you know, 
ex, ex, not really accept their roles, but accept the culture. And these guys came in and just, you know, whatever y'all need me to do, let's do it. You guys won. Um, you guys know what to take. And then you got, obviously, Marcus Gasol, who won. You know, he was just so eager to, you know, just to learn. And he also gives. So, me, I'm just trying to learn, you know, as much as possible from my vets, like I usually always try to do. And uh, I, it's, it's a it's an interesting dynamic that we have here. Um, we're just bringing the new guys along, you know, with our, you know, consistent core from last year. So, uh, I think we got a great group. Between the, the two teams that you've been on, is there a particular player that you lean to to, like, get hoop advice from or just practice with or shoot around? Um, well, usually I always try to stay as close as possible to, you know, a guy in my position. Um, so a guy like Sean Livingston um, helped me tremendously when I was in Golden State just from, you know, seeing everything. We came off the bench together, and a lot of times we were in that second unit together. So literally we would talk out everything because we played the same minutes. Um, you know, last year I stuck close to Avery Bradley. I was extremely close to Avery, um, you know, just trying to learn as much as possible um, from him, a guy who's in, been in the league for a while now, 10 years. And, uh, you know, I try to I try to latch on to all my vets, um, for sure. I, I call all my vets my big brother because I'm literally always around and rich to tell you I'm always asking questions. I want to be a sponge and just try to learn as much. But, you know, there's definitely certain guys who, who, who you have a different bond with because you spend obviously more time with them. I'm telling you, like, it's hard to – it's hard to really, like – quantify unless you've seen it and been around it right and I'm not in the league so I got as close a look as you could get but your presence is 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 like is infectious and it's it's so important you know I saw it firsthand um the coaches that you've played for along the way clearly I've gravitated towards it I'm sure you've been a conduit at times to the, at least giving a gauge or a temperature on the locker room so you played for Coach K. I know when you was younger, you had role models in your life. Your father, your ultimate role model. is Coach, Coach Vogel really doesn't get, like, that was an insane situation you guys were in last year. And not just in the bubble, like, with Kobe's passing, with just the scrutiny on the organization that comes with being a Laker. And he went and, you know, won a championship. What is his... What is his quality that stand? Like, what is his thing when you see him up against the other coaches you've had? Yeah, um, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Um, obviously, being, you know, uh, the coach of the Lakers, you know, every if you're a player or a coach, if you miss a wide-open shot in the key game in game three of the regular season, you know, you might see on Twitter that next – that day or that next night, uh, we want you traded. If you lose two in a row, I know probably Frank, you know, probably saw in the media they wanted his job. Um, I thought he stayed in the fight, obviously going through what we went through last year, not just, you know, with the bubble, with obviously Kobe and, you know, the stuff that we had to deal with in China. Um, I thought him and Rob did a great job of just leading us um, with all everything that we went through last year. Um, he does a great job of preparing. Um, I've never watched so much film in my life until, until you know, I, I played for Frank last year. We watched a lot of film. Um, so we were always prepared. And uh, he adjusts to his team. I mean, he's a player's coach. If, you know, he sees guys as, you know, we got four games or five nights, he might give us a day or two off. Um, he might, you know, cancel shoot around. I mean, he's, he's a player's coach. And, uh, you know, he, he, he adjusts. He adjusts like, you know, whether he made the right adjustments. And uh, 
I don't think he got, you know, enough credit last year. He did a tremendous job. Yeah, I mean, and Rob too. Like, honestly, Rob has, like, the moves he's made, it's just people want to focus on what they want to focus on. I think Rob's getting his credit more. Um, but you know what? They're getting the rings, you know, where they got the ring last year. You grew up a Laker fan, so this shit is so dope, right? Yeah, it's literally a dream come true. Is it still crazy? Like, and your relationship with your father, who you lost, and I understand how close you were with him. The Lakers were something that connected you guys the way, like, watching the Knicks did with my father as a kid and my family. Is it just like you look at the jersey still, bro? Because I see you as, like, you so down to earth, and and I can see you being nostalgic, too. I know in the PG County movie, like, when uh, Nolan called you with the baby, you tearing up. Like, is it, like, still, like, holy shit, I'm on the Lakers. Like, this is wild. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. I think it's even more now. Cause I think last year I kind of was – I felt like I was dreaming. Um, um, like I told uh, – I told my mom, it was like uh, when I signed, like I didn't get drafted. So that was last year was kind of like my first year free agency for real. And uh, we got a, we got it done really quick. And I, but I kind of was like in like a dream last year. Now, you know, after being, being a Laker for a year and a half now, um, it's kind of more surreal because like I did everything that I wanted to do. Like growing up, like I could tell you who won every NBA championship from when I was born. Like I, studied the finals and obviously I got to see the Lakers my team win five of them so you know I had all the, the DVDs of the Lakers I had the VCRs or, or you know their season recaps and stuff and to obviously you know be on the Lakers you know championship team it was a dream but now like coming back for year two it's like damn like I'm really a Laker like it's I, I like it's like I'm awake now like I'm awake like I'm still a Laker you know and it, it, it hits home even more now Gianni, do you feel like that when you come to work with me? <laughs> it's exactly like being drafted to the <laughs> or being signing with the Lakers. Oh shit. <laughs>Let me ask you, uh, Duke, was it a similar thing? Like, did you have an affinity for Duke basketball? Because if you were ahead, you must have had a college team you rooted for. So I I didn't I didn't have a college team. Um you know, growing up, you know, in our area, area, you know, it was you know Georgetown and and and, and Turk, um, country, but uh, I was just a fan of hoop. Like I really liked Carolina growing up because Jordan went there, but uh, I think just from our area, you know, we 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 were so fortunate to have all the guys you know that's older than us go to so many colleges. It's like I couldn't root against like I couldn't root against Texas. I couldn't root against Georgetown. I couldn't root against Duke. Um, but you know, I know when I remember when Nolan, I think Nolan committed the same year KD committed. So when KD, when Kevin committed to Texas and Nolan committed to Duke, those are my two teams. And then obviously Kevin was only there for a couple months, and Nolan came the next year to, to Duke. I just was, I just like Duke. And then when they started recruiting me, I just told myself I was going to Duke. There was, I, there was really no recruitment process. My mom wanted to, you know, she wanted me to take all my visits. She wanted to do the whole thing, but in my mind, I told him I'm going to do. So uh, when Coach K kind of put the press on me, it was over. I could see KD being like, um, "Nah, you should come to Texas," and you'd be like, "But bro, you can, <laughs> you're gonna be out," and he'd be like, "Nah, I might not be out. I like, I love it here, yo. He must. I guarantee you, he hit you with that. I may be staying more than a year." Man, Kevin hit me with the. Kevin was playing in the World Championships in 2010, and. 
he was relaying messages. Well, Coach K was relaying messages through Kevin to tell me. <laughs> That's what I knew Kevin wanted me to go to Duke. Kevin, Kevin was off to Texas. Not, not I, 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 Texas never recruited me, so yeah, he, he, he wanted what was best for me, and uh, I remember that vividly. I don't know what country they was in, but I remember every other day Kevin was sending me messages, you know, for Coach, which was dope. I, you know what, I could, I, I could see that actually on second thought. I mean, I could see the other one, but I also know that you live in this like sacred ground to Kevin, where, like. Again, it's cliche, but it really is bigger than basketball with with the two of you. Like that's a different type bond, and he over everything wants you to be good. Like I remember games, he was frustrated, whereas you played well, and like that gave him a level of like yeah. offsetting yeah. the excitement a bit. For sure. And then Gianni, I want you to hear this because uh, draft night, man. Tell me a little bit about the story draft night because your credentials at Duke were off the chain. Um, you know, I, I think there's always like these players that for some reason people will be like, nah, he not an NBA point guard, right? You'll just like see it in a scouting report. And then you're like, everything on paper outside of the scouting report says different. You're playing at the best school in the world. You're a point guard. You're winning a championship. It's really not supposed to be that complicated, right? But you don't get drafted. So talk to me a bit about that whole experience. Yeah, so... uh Obviously, going into my senior year, my first three years, you know, I could have left after my sophomore year. Um, I decided to come back. My junior year, you know, I started off really well, um, and I didn't, I didn't finish well, so I had to come back my senior year. And I always thought I was a two to four year guy in college. Um, so, uh, you know, I came back from my senior year, um, won national championship, was an All American that year. So you think, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely you know, going to get drafted. Um, I did my workouts. I did the combine, did everything. Um, and uh, I never, I never wanted to have like a, like a draft party. Right. I never, like, I didn't know if I was going to get drafted or not at that particular moment. But I remember the last mock draft that came out that had me going 26 or 27 in Brooklyn. I'll never forget it. And I told my mom, like, Oh my, yeah, let's, let's, let's just do something like we could do. We could have something at the apartment. We could have something. So we had about, 20 people come over, my closest family and friends, and, like, the clock was just going slow and slow and slow, just, like, the longest three, four hours of my life. And uh, there was there was a situation with two teams in the late 40s, early 50s, where they wanted to take me, but it was, like, a draft and stash kind of. And uh, I wanted a chance to compete for a roster spot. So I told my agent, you know, he was like, you can hear your name called and, and live out a dream, but this is a situation. You can go, you can go straight to the D-League or they're probably going to ship you overseas for a year. And I had to make the decision, like, what do I want? Do I want to compete for a roster spot? Or do I want to hear my name called, celebrate for 20 seconds, and then, you know, you know what's coming next. So um, I never got drafted. And it, and it hit me when that 60th pick was called. It hit me. I started crying. And the first person that called me was Kevin, literally. Like, I went in my brother's car, was crying. Um, I thanked everybody who came that I went just to be by myself. And Kevin, Kevin called me. He was on the phone for like 20 minutes. And uh, my agent calls me. And then, you know, I was – I got invited to Summer League with OKC. And that's when that's when everything started. And I know, like, the, I don't even need to know the details of the conversation, but I know the, the genesis of it. Um, and, again, Kevin was quoted in the, in the doc as saying, like – and he does this with me sometimes, too, like a really practical, simply put, like, yo, just keep working, bro. You're good enough to be in the league. Um, 
But that, when you hear it from Kevin and you hear the practicality of it, it makes it feel like, all right, you know what, that's it. Because now this relates perfectly to business, relates Gianni to you and this at your age is like, and I, I know the feeling when I build up to a deal. I had a deal that I worked on for three and a half months that just died, just the bottom drop, right? And it's like, that's that, that's that inflection point. That's where you got to drive it. But you're 22. You had suffered loss. You probably had to do the same thing on a real level at that point, where how do you pick yourself back up? And then you have to do it again. Is that like, was there even a thought? Like, or was it just like, nah, that's what I do. I'm turn that motor on the next day and rechallenge yourself to be honest like that was the that was regardless regarding basketball that was the lowest like i've ever felt for that brief 20 25 minutes because you know you you can't go on social media because you see it's not jealousy or or, or hate or envy but you see all your peers you know accomplishing their goals so that was like really literally the lowest that I felt, you know, with basketball um, at that moment. But literally like and Kevin, like obviously like what he says, like it, 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 it hits harder than, you know, obviously another person because of who he is. But he was more emotional because he saw how emotional I was. And he and he knew like he knows how much, you know, I talked about that moment. He knows how much, but he never let me waver my confidence. You know, he 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 was emotional with me, and then he brought me back up. You know, he told me what I needed to hear, um, not what I wanted to hear. And uh, obviously, you don't you 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 might want people to feel sorry for you in that moment, but he didn't let me do that. He he was emotional with me at first, then he built me back up, and then obviously when OKC, you know, came through, he was a, the the next person to call after that, and uh, that was when he was you know coming back from his foot. So when I was at OKC, I still was I was li was living with him at the crib. You remember, and uh, you know, it was it, he came down to Orlando with us for summer league. Um, he showed me that he was going to be there for me no matter what, and that meant a lot. With the uh, he was in the like the wheelchair on my wheelchair, yeah, the like yep. rolling yep. thing. Yep, yep, yep. So from not getting drafted to the Warriors, could you like could you recite your journey and like can you remember it? You know, everywhere you went and everything that happened. Yeah, everywhere, everything. Let me hear it. So I played summer league in Orlando with OKC. Um, I flew. I played a game at 9 a.m. with OKC. Um, my last game in Orlando, I flew to Vegas and played. I didn't play, but I was on the roster with the Cleveland Cavaliers at 10 p.m. that night in Vegas. I played summer league with uh, Cleveland in Vegas. So I played on two, <laughs> two different teams and two different summer leagues in like two weeks. Um, then – uh, I got invited to Cleveland's training camp. I made it to the last day. I went to Canton for my rookie year. Um, that summer, I couldn't get on a summer league team, so I played on a, the D-League select team in summer league. Um, played there. Um, I didn't play at all until the last day. Uh, the last day, like four or five guards signed overseas, so they didn't play on our team. So we had like six guys who could play. We played against New Orleans, and I scored like 20, 22, 23. New Orleans invites me to training camp. Uh, I made it to the last day. They took Lance Stevenson over me and Alonzo G. Um, I had like a couple 20-point games in preseason. Went back to Canton. Um, I think I averaged like 29 and 8 in Canton for like two months. I got signed to Dallas for a 10-day. Got cut. Went back to Canton. I played against Nate Robinson in D-League. Had like 35. 
New Orleans signed me back for the rest of the year. I played with Summer League um, with New Orleans that year, got cut. Um, Kyrie comes out and says that he wants to be traded. So we had to wait. Everybody had to wait because everybody had to make a push to Kyrie. So, like, literally the last day I got signed to Atlanta on a partial deal. Um, never really got to play in Atlanta. Got cut the day before my deal was guaranteed. Got cut on a Friday at, like, 7 p.m. And I was signed to Golden State by 9 a.m. the next day. And I was with Golden State for the next two years. And obviously the Lakers now. That is a grind, <laughs> bro. That's a grind that Oof. people don't see. That is like the – All I hear is self-belief yeah. after self-belief. Yeah. A lot of hotels, like for like three years, man, I never like unpacked. Like I had two suitcases and a duffel bag. Like I never unpacked those like because I was always on the move. I never had time to just like breathe and like let my let let my feet up and just, you know, be, be, be. Really, the only time that really happened was that year in Golden State where I knew I had a year like where I wasn't moving. I knew I had a year where I could prove myself. But other than that, you know, it was. A lot of hotels, a lot of bags, a lot of early flights, and really just a lot of self-belief, like you said. And you're not making any money. Like, the drop-off nah. in quality of life now that you've lived it in the NBA, from NBA to G League or D League at the time, is drastic, right? Yeah. So it's probably was way worse than how Duke – way worse than how you were moving at Duke. Yeah, that's the thing. But, like, it was a, it was, it was eye-opening for me, right? So, I mean, I went to DeMatha obviously a powerhouse high school. I went to Oak Hill, obviously powerhouse high school. Duke, obviously powerhouse college, right? And, you know, I'm playing on ESPN twice a year in high school. I'm playing on ESPN every other night in college. I'm four hours from the crib. You know, everybody's in and out um, from D.C. coming to Duke. You know, I'm everybody's brother. I have a good game. I got 100, 150 missed calls, 200 text messages, everything, right? When I got to the D-League, I'm playing on Facebook Live. You know, you you might have 40 and your mom and your and, and your best friend might only text you. Nobody, everybody was coming to, to Durham and Cameron Indoor, but nobody was coming to Canton and, and Santa Cruz. So it was very eye-opening. It was culture shock. You know, at Duke, we travel, charter everything, Rich Carlton, Five Star, everything. You know, in the D-League, first flights, I'm smaller, so I was getting a middle seat. You know, you're making – Fifteen, fifteen hundred a month. So, uh, now nah, it, it was definitely a a, a a culture shock for me. And now, like, do you keep that in your mind? Like, as you, you know, you've gotten a few different contracts the last few years, and like in real world, you're making real money. Like, if you didn't play basketball, your group of friends would say, "Yo, you pick up everything, right? You you be the you be that guy in the NBA." But do you live? With that mentality, like, do you care about how much money's out there and you just appreciate, like, what you're making for doing what you love and what you're around? Or does it does it piss you off a bit? Um, I think it taught me. It taught me, like, how to budget. Like, you know, uh, I never I never had any money for myself. So, I mean, I was looking forward to those little $1,500 checks. And, you know, when I went to Trinity Camp, that was an extra 30000 um, I remember my first tra- training camp check that I got from Cleveland. You know, I was giving it away. I was it was, I, was the most money I ever had. Like that was mine. So that fifty thousand <laughs> only lasted like two two and a half weeks, and I was giving I was giving everybody at the crib a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, you know, uh, you know, when I get when I get paid now, I always remember like 
man, I used to, these used to stay fifteen hundred on it, and I used to budget it like as good as possible. And now I try to keep that same you know budgeting. And obviously, I I'm confident in myself. So I'm confident. I'm self confident. I know who I am as a person. I'm secure. So I don't try to live out my means. And you know I see a lot of that. You know, and especially in the NBA, guys try to compete with you know superstars and and, and guys who only spend you know endorsement money you know a lot of people are different but me I, I i was lucky enough to have discipline you know when i wasn't having any money and now now that i'm getting you know some money i try to keep those same tactics that you know kept me above water yep and also i've been saying this to you for four years now your earning potential is evergreen like beyond the fact that you represent and embody this like champion this winner if it's only going to grow like your your the, the history will add to it what you did in the past will will be cemented um your relationships at duke you do shit now like i saw the lululemon little drop today yeah. like <laughs> you shockingly staying in in the game and active with your stuff because you're you're and i said this too even out of duke like that's the thing with some of these d1 players is like you're so famous by the time you get to the league because of colleges so have you like, what's your philosophy? Like, you looking for opportunity. You like being out there and, and building your business, you know, in respect to what you're, where you're at in your career right now. Yeah, I mean, that's big. That's big for me. Um, obviously, you, we, we have a short time span to play this game. And me, I, that's my gift is networking and, and being a people's person. Um, I think the game that, you know, my vets and, you know, my brothers like yourself, Kevin, who all – you, you guys – it's like the cheat code. You guys give me give me the game, and I just try to execute it, you know, as best uh, as best as possible. And then me, I've been lucky being, you know, in some great markets in, you know, the Bay, and now being in LA for two years, you know, is 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 instead of me coming home right after practice and get on the video game, uh, let's go meet with this person. Let's take this meeting. Let's let's jump on the phone with that. I'm 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 learning to 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 really evolve as a businessman and. Like I said, having some great vets is the best thing you, you can have as a young guy. And now me, it's my sixth year in the league. I'm kind of turning into a vet. I'm trying to give, you know, my young guys that same tutelage. And you're, I mean, you're around LeBron. You're around AD. You know, the richest presence out in L.A., uh, just being in L.A. And, again, just like your, you know, the familiarity. You must get recognized in L.A., like, Way more than everybody on your team, except for like Kuz, LeBron, AD, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, and it's love. It's it's different being a Laker, but obviously, you know, playing at Duke, you know, that's like one thing. And then being a Warrior is another thing. Winning the chip is another. Um, and I was always with Kevin, like you know, I was always with Kevin. So, you know, I got to meet you know the 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 top, the cream of the crop. So. Like I said, I've always kind of had the cheat code. And uh, now being in here, being with Brian and ADC, you know, how they move. Um, now it's cool, man. And, you know, everybody loves the Lakers here. It's it's a different world that they love that they give us. So, uh, nah, man, it's pretty cool. How weird is Empty Stadium? I'm used to it because we was in that bubble. So I'm used to it. So uh, it's, it's, it's not that weird. I, I like it more because you get to see the colors and stuff. The bubble was just a generic color. It was a generic court. Now you get to see some colors. I like the colors of the different teams. So I like it way, way, way better than the bubble.
bubble really like one of those like if you wasn't there you'll never understand kind of thing yeah the bubble wasn't right man the bubble wasn't <laughs> right. The NBA, nba did a great job the nba did a great job we 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 went there handled our business put all the put all the distractions to the side and really locked in but i don't ever want to go back did you <laughs> ever did you have were there, were there were there dark bubble nights there was dark bubble mornings <laughs> nights weeks months it was rough dog it was rough it was rough that's wild that's what i'm saying and that's why i say that about like coach vogel and obviously the leaders on your team like that shit was a real thing like the only asterisk next to that is just like how real it was like the asterisk is probably just being extra special if anything you know for sure there's there's some something that dropped off here but this is a once in a hopefully lifetime experience that anyone has to deal with that was real shit so you guys got something though coming out of that that's for life right it yeah, feels nah, like no nah, i mean i joke i joke about how how rough it was and how tough and it was but i mean we locked in i mean you could see you could see other guys like check out like when we would get up three one on on teams or two oh or you could see guys be ready to go home like you could you could see it but us you know we told ourselves we hit three months like we hit three months. Um, I think that the camaraderie that we had in our team, started, starting with Brian and AD, um, got us over the hump as well. Um, you can see, you know, on the campus, you'll see other guys be by themselves. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's one thing, obviously, you want, to, you want some time to yourself. But, you know, us, you, you can ask any team that was there. We always were with each other. We traveled in packs. Uh, we did, you know, mad tournaments. We did any any time there was a versus, it was like a concert for us. We put the put the projector up and we watched the verses. I mean, it was really like a family. It felt like AAU, really. And uh, you know, I think that's that's what kind of got us over the hump too. Do you think that camaraderie that you had with your team in the bubble versus maybe some other teams didn't have as much camaraderie or leadership between Vogel, like how Vogel was killing it, is what helped with winning the chip yeah i mean especially in those circumstances right because obviously in the league i mean guys have their circles guys have you know kids wife um you know if you're now on the road nine times out of ten when you're in your market you know you go to practice and you go home you know to, to your situation um in a bubble we always was with each other and uh even before we went to the bubble this was a a close, a very, very, very close team. Even when we went on a road, guys, anytime we would have dinners, you know, it was the whole team. So we were already close. When we got to the bubble, obviously we got closer. And, uh, you know, we had to because, like, no families were allowed until the first, you know, round was done. So that was about 70 days in. So, you know, we were forced to be around each other. But, uh, you know, we all knew that's, that's what we had to do to win it. And, uh, you know, I, I thought our leaders did a good job of that. You know what I was thinking? Like, there's players that go to the arena some nights and don't kind of know they're not going to play, right? And there's even been players throughout history that straight up, like, have ripped up their warm-ups and, like, they didn't even get the jersey on. That's how much they mentally weren't there to play. Even if I knew and you knew you weren't playing, you have to show up, man. Like, Quinn Cook has to show up with the same – 
energy as if you were playing. That's a responsibility because it also is the same thing the crowd builds off of. Like, you get the end of the bench if you're not playing, playing. And don't get me wrong. I want to see you on the court, bro. Like, you be- you belong in this league playing real minutes. But do you feel that same thing? Like, man, I know I'm not playing tonight, but I got to, like, they like I'm Quinn Cook. I got to still show up with a smile in some ways. Um, it's that I think that's that's one of the toughest, you know, things, you know, uh, about being on good teams. It's knowing you can play, but sometimes you might not be in a rotation. Um, you know, I learned a lesson when I was at Duke. You know, uh, I didn't like how I looked on the bench. I remember, you know, we just beat Michigan and Maui, and uh, I got in a, I got in the game for about my freshman year. I got in the game for about. Three minutes, man. I did a nice lob. I hit a three, and I got beat on the back door. And uh, for the rest of the game, like I wasn't celebrating on the bench. You know how intense Duke, Duke is. You know their bench is crazy. There, managers are you know intense. Everything is intense about Duke. And I wasn't celebrating. I wasn't doing anything. So uh, we win that night. Uh, we 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 play Kansas the next night in the championship. So we're going over to Kansas personnel, and I'm getting up, and coach is like, no, 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 you stay. So I'm like, what do what he, what he want to talk to me for? So all the coaches in there, Coach Capel, Jeff Capel, Chris Collins, Nate James, Wojo. And Coach K is like, yeah, j- just throw the tape on. So it's literally he had a highlight tape, not even a highlight, just a this film. We watched 10 minutes of film of me not celebrating on the bench, not clapping my clap. I mean, it was the most embarrassing, the most low that I've ever felt. And I told myself from then, doesn't matter. Don't matter if I play or not. I gotta, I gotta be professional, and I gotta. My teammates, if I call them my brothers, I gotta be happy for their success. I can't, you know, be into my own shit. And uh, I always live by that. And there's been times where, you know, I have checked out during the NBA, and I got two, three minutes at the end of the game, and you know, I didn't like my body language because I was mad I didn't play. And you know, I don't play for the next four or five games, and I was. Couldn't wait for those last, those next two, three minutes I got. So I try to show up every day just being prepared to play. Even if I know 100% I'm not going to play, I got to trick myself into thinking I'm going to play because that's how I give my teammates, you know, uh, more. And then when I get my opportunity, you know, maybe it's two minutes. If a guy gets in foul trouble, you know, injuries happen. You know, if I got to be forced to play, I won't feel like I got to turn a switch. I'm already ready. That's something I got to trick myself to do. My freshman year in high school, I made the varsity team, and uh, I ain't get any action. Um, but I was on varsity as a freshman, and I went hard in practice. But during warm-ups, during layup lines, I remember one time I was wet, like, and I kept trying to get one coach to look over. Like, everyone had been walking back to the sideline already. And by the time they all looked, I had been, like, the last guy out and got the clean air ball on the last one. <laughs> Because I felt like coaches, I've really thought like, yo, just watch yeah. me hit a few J's and warm up lines. You're gonna change your mind. Like even though right. I knew I wasn't playing, right? Like right, right, right. I totally understand. No, but those those little games you gotta play with yourself mentally. Because yeah, even though they might not watch it, if you might feel better about yourself. Yeah, you know, it, going to the bench during the game. So now I, I I I fight the same battle every night. You know, this is a fact you wouldn't know, but Gianni and I play one-on-one three times, every time in front of Kay, and every time it's like he, they, he thinks there's no chance that I could beat him, and every time I beat him. I just want you to know that. Listen, last time we played, it was 2-1, and he won. I can't front. 
Yeah, well, we play we play till two or three because I don't this. I'm not going much. I'm just trying to go. To <laughs> but I will tell you, Kevin out of nowhere hit Gianni. This was funny, bro. We're at this degree commercial, and in between takes, yeah. you've been at some of these with us. Kevin shoots. Don't matter the equipment's around. He just starts firing, and everyone loves yeah. it. Everyone's watching on the set. Yeah. So he's shooting and he's hitting Jay after Jay, and he says to Gianni and I, like, yo, uh, let's play, pick a spot. We each got to hit two and move on. Yeah. So you don't think twice. I came out, G, don't front. I came out with the whole crew watching, firing. Like, I had like 10, yeah. <laughs> ten in a row. Yeah. And I, even Kevin, like, I'm like, bro, say some shit. I just hit 10 threes, but man, the difference in level, he didn't even flinch. And then Gianni, Man, Gianni took like 45 straight shots in front of the crew. He went through a real <laughs> funk at one point before he hit one. Yeah, I was cold. He was cold. He caught you off guard. Yeah, but it was, it was a real testament to Kevin as a teammate because he kept getting my rebounds. And in my head, I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. Oh I'm like I'm airballing mad shots in front of KD. <laughs> like, I'm whacked. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to hoop with him ever again. He's going to think I can't hoop. Yeah. And the whole time he's like, nah, don't worry. More, more. He's just coaching me through my shots. And I'm like, yeah. this man is the best teammate ever. <laughs> yeah. that, that's how Kevin is. I remember he used to come to my high school games and AAU games and you know, you always feel like you got to do a little bit more that day. And uh, he just has that presence and he has that. He's into the game. I remember a couple of times when I was in college, you know, I play a good game. And he'll always be, man, look, instead of instead of three turnovers, let's try to get it to one. He's always – he's a basketball savant. He's always trying to, trying, to, trying to find ways, you know. I think it's the attention to detail that he, that, that he you know, focuses on that people just kind of see, you know, shot attempts or – you know, points, um, the stuff that they show at the bottom of ESPN. But Kevin looks at the whole all-around game. And, uh, you know, a as a guy like that, you know, it could be easy for him to score 40, 50 points. But I, I think he, he likes having an efficient 25 to 29 with 12 assists, you know, eight rebounds and, you know, one turnover. I mean, he he's as efficient as it gets. It's funny. It's true. I've learned a lot about business from Kevin from his work ethic. And it goes in general for athletes I've been around, even how I've looked at what I do philanthropically now learn from athletes. It's usually you hear like athletes soaking up knowledge from business minds. And there's a truth to that. But so many of the attributes, I mean, I think sports, Kobe said it perfectly once. I think I don't want to mess up in any way. The uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that sports are the ultimate metaphor for life. And because of that, some of the principles in sports truly work in business. And it's going through those ups and downs. It's that work ethic. I remember flying to China with Kevin on my first trip, 15 hours. And I'm like, all I want to do is go back to the hotel. And, and he's like, let's go to the gym. Too. I, I was My mind was blown after this flight. He wanted to do that. Then I thought to myself, well, I better wake my ass up way before him tomorrow because that's the same work ethic and drive. Um, so it's amazing what I've been able to witness. And I have learned from you and your demeanor and personality, man. It's a it's a calm that will be beneficial for you. I'm telling you in, in work and in life and everything. And it has been. Do you um, do you think that that quality you're going to want to take into coaching? I mean, you've been around K these great coaches in your life, Steve Kerr, like, do you think that that's in your future? Everybody thinks that. Um, I never really, I never really thought myself as a future coach. Um, me being a point guard, me always being a coach on the floor, how I see and think the game, 
you know, you would think, you know, I would want to be a coach, but, you know, I want to be a commentator. I want to be in business. I'm not saying you can't do that as a coach, being business and stuff, but I just never really got into coaching. Obviously now with Nolan and a lot of my closest um, teammates from AAU growing up, they're coaches now. I have two of them who are coaches at Howard University. Um, I like I like to hear from them, and, and they give me game, and I ask those guys a lot of questions. But um, now I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm kind of battling with it right now. I'm kind of battling with it right now. I don't know if I want to go full coach or, you know, I really want to be a commentator. Like a guy like Kenny Smith is a guy who I always, you know, idolize. That's a guy who I – uh, he has the respect. He wasn't really an all-star, was a great NBA player, a champion, you know, but he has the respect, you know, from the all-stars to the coaches to everybody in the game. And he's been you know, doing a great job, you know, analyzing basketball for the last 20, 20 years. So that's a guy who I like my ultimate dream job is like a Kenny Smith. By the way, that's an amazing analogy because he grew up in New York, similar to how you in PG County dominated at high school, went to Carolina, dominated, won a chip with the Rockets. That's a really incredible, that's a great analogy. But I don't want you, as your friend, we're going to shelve that talk because I fucking hate narratives. And I don't want the narrative of like Quinn Cook is a, is a coach. He's a coach on the floor. He's going to be a great coach one day. Like you're 27, bro. Like there's there's another chip for you to win. There's another opportunity for you to show show you you know flex. I, I know it, and I'm gonna be there when it happens, bro. Yeah, nah, for sure, for sure, for sure. That's why that's why I I always ask you questions. That's why I'm always wanna wanna learn. I don't wanna put myself in a box. I don't wanna be like anybody else. I think I have so much a lot of potential, um, you know, just with my personality and networking to accomplish the impossible. So why not try to do it? Well, man, you will, bro. And you have and you will. And I love you, bro. So I'm rooting for you. Always a pleasure as my boy. Um, I'm glad other people could hear how close we were and get to get some of the, the gospel from you, man. I appreciate you. And um, good luck this year, bro. Can I just say one thing? Talk to me. Gianni, just to let you know, Rich got me in my first commercial about four years ago. He hooked me up with my first. I always wanted to be in the commercial. Like I, I always wanted to be in one. Yep. That's how I close me and Rich. Rich knows like we're so tight. So. Yeah, I love this guy, man. Nah, man, I appreciate y'all having me. All right, we got more. We're gonna do another one, bro. Nah, we will. I will. I will. That's my word. All right, bet, bro. All right, man. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. Appreciate it, man. <laughs>